0: You got both on? Mm-hmm. okay. Assalamu Okay. Sheikh Bajwa. Wa'alaikum, Salam. It's good to see you. Nice to see you, too. It's good to come to Yale and, and do this interview. Absolutely welcome. I, I appreciate the hospitality. I, I, I don't mean to uh, in, in, intrude on you, though, did I? Because <laughs> I know you work... Um, you, your family time starts at 10 p.m. I think yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned yes, that exactly. Yeah. So I'm hoping that coming in on on a Saturday,
1: no, no, at 3 p.m. doesn't inter- interfere no, no, with no, no, work. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, uh, 10 p.m. is sort of a day to day when I try to have a cut off when you turn off your phone and you have commitment to family time and personal time and whatnot. But weekends, obviously, the nature of this work, it's not a 40 hour a week right, job, right? Right. For sure. And so, uh, and especially you're a guest coming from long ways away, so I'm really honored and excited that we could make this work. Yep. Yeah, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Are you uh, on the weekend? So you're obviously –
0: you're working on the weekend sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, What is it that has you working outside of a normal 40-hour work week? Is it student issues or or – what is it exactly? Great answered?
1: question. So I mean, I think it's so the nature of the work is that you know there is an aspect of if you clock in, you clock out, you go show up in the office at the you know certain time, and then you go home from the office a certain time. That's one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But the nature of this work, right? Being a chaplain, being a community a caregiver, working with massages, working with students, working with faculty. You know, it's just you know problems don't arise on the on the clock, right? Between right. A, a work week. Uh, and so what happens is is that uh, you know I get calls uh, from the hospital, I get calls from community members when there's some sort of an emergency, either uh, lower uh, lowercase e, capital E, but you have mm. to respond at some level. Um, and so the point is, is that, uh, you know, I try to keep my weekends free for family time and personal time and whatnot. But there's also events by the nature of being in a university is that you have student programming on the weekends, right? right. There are student activities, events, uh, lectures, conferences. And so it's all a matter of what I've been able to do in my life. And it's under, you know, the amazing mentorship of my boss and supervisor is that, you know, do the work, put in the time, and then you get. it's very fluid. You can adjust, right? So if I'm putting in a long weekend, then uh, you know the, the, re- the next couple of days in the coming week, you, know, you can take your foot off the pedal and kind of devote more time elsewhere kind of thing. So. I
0: hear you. Um, do you – and I don't think anyone from Yale is going to hear this. So
1: yeah. <laughs> do, do, you, do you genuinely – like putting in all that time? Is Mm -hmm. this something you're enjoying? No, absolutely. I mean, alhamdulillah, I say that inshallah from the bottom of my heart, this is a blessing and a privilege Mm -hmm. to do the work that I do in the Yale community, for the New Haven community. Um, uh, You know, I look back at my life and, uh, you know, Allah Ta'ala opened every door for me, that uh, doors that I wanted and doors that I couldn't have imagined that brought me to this place. And then my Masha'i told me, when you're here, you have an immense responsibility as well. Right, Allah put you here for a reason, mm-hmm. and uh, and you've got to put in the work and do the work and do the khidma, do the service to the community, to yeah. the students, for the staff, for the faculty, for the New Haven. I live here. I've lived here with my family for fourteen years. Mushroom. I have many dear friends and teachers that live locally, and it's all about serving them. And so, t- to come back to your original question, is that uh, I I genuinely uh, uh, deeply enjoy this work and feel very blessed to be able to do it. I hear you.
0: Yeah, I hear you. So, mm-hmm. it's it's not really a. Uh, um, uh, you know, it's not always this because what I was thinking when yeah. you said you put in work on the weekends, yeah, man, that it's it's a situation of Dr. Bedro, I have some serious to tell you, yeah, and, you know, a student problem, specifically yeah. one person, yeah, it's not like that. You're saying it's programs, it's it's more well, like, it's both, I think okay. it's both,
1: right? Uh, it, it, and also depends, right? Like, uh, more often than not, it's programs on the weekends that okay. will bring me in, but that doesn't mean that I haven't gotten, uh, uh you know, uh, um uh, panicked calls and mm-hmm. crisis calls from students from the university for various reasons, uh, at odd hours of the day or at odd, yeah. you know, and weekends and stuff like that. So that's not as common, but you know, I also, what I would say to anyone that's listening that uh, is interested in chaplaincy or knows chaplaincy is that it comes with the territory, yeah. right? You've got to be in this work, but you've got to be able to do this work and put yourself all in to know that that's what it comes, right? If people want like a desk job, like, I don't know work in a corporate office or something like that where you clock in and you clock out. Yeah. That's not the nature of this work. And to you know to give so much credit credence to and props to uh, to our mashayik, to our Ima, is that you know the work of the community serving the community is you know there's no imam out there and I have many friends who are imams, right? And mm-hmm. many of my teachers are serve as imams in communities is that they know that it's never sort of like after Juma you you pack up, you go home. For sure. They don't need to see you until later, right? It's mm-hmm. just it, it just goes with the territory.
0: I hear you. So even though it's not like the common problem that you're facing, mm-hmm. like when, when a student comes and asks a specific question, if you don't mind me asking, what what what's a common thread that you're seeing when they come with yeah. a specific question? Sure, sure. Yeah, know? no,
1: I mean it's a fantastic question. I'm gonna give you a couple of categories mm-hmm. of what they're they're the, uh, of that they present as mm-hmm. so one thing uh, you know and, and I'm n- not one is more important than the other that's what I want to say right. this is just sort of off the top of my head is people have crises of faith right they just deeply question their Islam they question their uh, sadly uh, just as sadly I should say they really question the community right there's just people feel very alienated from the muslim community they feel like they don't belong they don't they can't find their tribe right i think part of it is also i'm dealing with a population of emerging young adults mm-hmm. 18 20 22 25 year olds they're at that either in college or post-college phase early graduate school law school med school phd programs it's a very intense academic time in your life intellectually it's very formative right uh, uh, i mean you're committed to your work but you're also like emerging you're growing right mm-hmm. emotionally intellectually spiritually you're growing. Sure. And so, you know, for us it's all about the balance, right? Finding the balance between your work, you know, they call it the work-life balance. You know, I would say the balance emotionally, psychologically, spiritually and physically, right? You need to be healthy in all these areas. So, for a lot of people, it's a crisis that they maybe can't put a finger on. Like I don't know why I just feel like I don't connect with people. I don't feel like I belong. I feel homesick. Is is it all worth it? Like why should I even be doing this kind of work? Like I'm putting in crazy hours and in college or med school or an MBA program. You know, so this is sort of general malaise, I'd call it, right? People are just like, I don't feel good, and I don't know why I don't feel good. So you dig a little deeper. For some people, it is a spiritual crisis. They're like, I'm looking at the world. I don't understand how Islam can work in this world. I don't understand how the Muslim community can navigate this world. With all of the fitna and the facade in the world, right? We can go through a long list if you want on what that is. They're just like, how does my Islam and my being Muslim fit into that? How do we answer these problems, right? problems of deep racial divides deep economic uh, instability and inequality right the environmental catastrophe that's going on the issues of misogyny racism sexism uh, uh uh classism like how do i as a muslim even begin to understand it do i do anything about it like all of this when you put it together is a pretty volatile mix right For that, sure. that's one category the other category people come to me with like you know they're just in their interpersonal lives i just can't get along i'm having a you know i'm in a bad relationship Right with my friends, with a significant other, with a romantic partner. I don't know how to navigate this. I want to get married. My parents are trying to get me married to this person, or telling me not to think about marriage. Focus on school, getting a job. But like people have emotional needs, right? So it's all of this other kind of category of things. Other people, they just have career questions. I don't know what to do in my life. My parents want me to be a doctor. I mean, medicine's interesting, but I don't know if I really want to do this the rest of my life. You know, every all my friends are going to finance. It seems interesting. Seems like a lot of hard work. But like, do I feel good about like being part of that whole economy and whatnot? Right. Like, I don't know. So these kind of questions, they're trying to figure out and navigate their life. I think another aspect that people, uh, the last sort of category I put out there is people, uh, genuine, some of them, they're just like, I really don't know enough about my deen. Like this whole time, I've had Sunday school Islam. My parents, very cultural Islam in my house. And now you're in college and you're learning and studying fascinating new fields, right, of inquiry and, and subjects and all of that. And then they're just like, I realize I don't really know much about my own deen. Like, you know, you get what you, your Sunday school teacher teaches you. Your imam gives some nice khutbahs that you absorb. But really in terms of depth, right, that's what they feel. And I, those people, I really applaud their courage because they're actually like being vulnerable and saying, like, I'm acting Muslim but i don't even really know what all my islam is about right not from a process of not from a place of like a crisis from a genuine place of uh, of, of curiosity and they really want to learn they're like i want to learn how to be a better muslim like i really care about it so i see that and you know any and all of that kind of stuff right so
0: th- those are some tough questions yeah, yeah. Uh, those are some really tough questions yeah, yeah. Are, so how do you handle that like someone's coming to you with uh, how does islam fit in the modern world how do you as a chaplain yeah, yeah. Like, do you have the training to answer a question that tough? Like, because you said you have Meshach. Yeah. I thought you, you know, you studied in terms of, uh, like, you, I think you have a, a doctor's degree in, in philosophy. Or? Not
1: a doctorate. I have a, uh, I, I was in a PhD program in Islamic studies and I shifted to chaplaincy. Okay. But I have a master's in Islamic studies and then a graduate training in uh, chaplaincy and pastoral care. Yep. Okay. So
0: so you do have the training to answer some really tough questions then. It's like, how how do you approach, like someone comes to you with yeah, something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, that's heavy. It's well, heavy. Like, I'm thinking... I don't want to be Muslim anymore. Like I, I don't think this is like I'm I'm at Yale. I'm getting my PhD in microbiology. Yeah. I don't think I agree with this this whole concept of God. How do you someone comes to you, yeah, yeah, because he isn't all completely out, like, Yeah. but he's he's got his foot halfway out. Sure. And he's coming to you to see, mm-hmm. should I stay around? Yeah. Should I stick around with this Islam mm-hmm. thing? Or sure. should I just dip? How how do you handle that?
1: I mean it's a great question. Uh, I'm not gonna pretend to have the answer, but what I'll tell you what our training teaches us is that the first thing is we lead with listening, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to walk through my door, but I need to be prepared for whatever walks through my door. Mm-hmm. And when something like that walks through my door, I sit them down. You want to create a non-judgmental uh, uh, space and environment to be like, look, I'm here. to Just talk. I'm here to listen. Actually, first, mm-hmm. just talk to me. Where are you coming from? Like, tell me about yourself. Tell me your story. How did you get to this point? What was your journey emotionally, physically? Right. People come with all sorts of experiences, traumas, hidden traumas. Right. Uh, dis- deep disappointments in life. You know, And so all of that is a part of them as a person. And so my job is to listen to their story and then look for k- threads, right? And then ask reflective questions, open-ended questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that gets them talking. Many of the times, uh, uh, they're not either looking for an answer from me, they're just looking for someone to talk to and someone that's going to listen to them. Because look, we live in a world where everyone else is talking, right? About everything at other people and not enough people are listening to people, right? That's right. also part of the kind of the the frustration I think of the modern world we're living in right now. So some people just they haven't felt heard, they haven't felt seen as they say. So a lot of that is seeing them, acknowledging them, hearing their story. Once you get to the next level, and then they have specific questions like how would you answer this if we get to that stage? There's some questions I'm qualified to answer. I'm like, "Oh, Let's read Let's read this article together, right? We Read it together. Like, I will mm. read it with you. We will discuss it. Like, we're, you know, over a coffee. Like, let's talk about it. What do you think? What do I think? I'm not going to purport to have the answer, right? We can, in fact, anything, it opens more questions up. But then if there's things that are, uh, clearly, there's a lot that's beyond my specialty, right? I'm more mm. of a generalist and not a specialist. Is my job then is that the referral system, right? Is that I'll say that I, I would be dishonest for me to try to even give you an answer to that question. But... Let's see who we can find that may be able to answer that, that I can put you in conversation with. So it may be a sheikh, it may be a professor, it may be a scholar, or a scientist or whatever that can better answer specific questions that are troubling them or they're curious about. But it's really that whole process of welcoming them, being non-judgmental, being, you know, what they call create a non-anxious presence. Right. Because let's be honest. Let's be real. For many people religion creates a certain anxiety. Right. Because right? it's performative like I have to act a certain way in the exactly. masjid around these people and if I say or do anything wrong, bam, like I'm a exactly. bad muslim. You don't belong here. Get out of here, right? You're not dressed the right way. You don't have the certain jargon, right? You don't know the the the, the performative aspect of our deen. And so uh and that frightens people, right? And so I think if you create a non-anxious presence be like Come to me. You know, this is the beautiful... I'm not going to claim this at all. I didn't come up with this, right? Is that, you know, they say... uh, I think it's attributed to, you know, Imam Zayd and and many others who were like the inspirers of the Ta'lif collective. Mm -hmm. You know, come to Islam as it is. Come to Islam as you... Come to... Come as you are to Islam as it is, right? Like, come who you are, right? People are at different points of their spiritual, emotional, psychological journey. But then come to what we believe is like islam normative islam right and, and you know our job is ahlan was ahlin, come on in like i'm not there's no like barrier at the door right being you can't come in yeah
0: so 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 um you know th- that's like a more uh it's, it's a it's a pretty uh, deep question but what yeah. about something that's more specific someone's coming to you with a fiqh question yeah like uh you know for example Something that's common in my yeah. age group that hey what's what's Islam's problem what's its deal with homosexuals mm-hmm. why why don't you guys just accept them sure and there was actually a, a study done this was a, I think it was the most conclusive after the the Pew study it was it was a I think it was the Islamic Society of North Texas um, that they found that it was ten to twenty percent the guy the sheikh said twenty percent because it was a comment yeah instead of it being an actual question on the, yeah. On the poll yeah but he said ten percent said in terms of concerns Islam yeah. about their religion mm-hmm. is why doesn't Islam accept homosexuals?
1: Sure, sure. I mean, this is a very common concern amongst right. our uh, amongst uh, young Muslims today, and I hear it. I mean, I hear where they're coming from, and. Mm-hmm. What not so I mean with questions like that It's you know listen to what their concerns Are and then have a conversation right It's like you know what do you think that Islam says about this and where are you Basing these sort of assumptions or or What you what you think you know from and Then let's look at the text let's look at what our texts Say right I mean it's an an Inquiry that that deserves Sort of an exploration and then let's look at what The scholars have written right they're sort of Popularly understood uh, 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 And I'm not uh, you know I'm Not gonna I'm not a sheikh and gonna you know be i'm not making any istihad i want to make Mm -hmm. that explicitly clear right but we look at the we're dealing with you know really intelligent motivated college students we're living in the age of information right people if they want to know enough they're going to dig and they can if they know how to dig they can get and uh, unpack and unlayer scholarly opinions and whatnot so we have a conversation about that right is that um we may agree to disagree on certain things like i'm very open to that possibility because at the end of the day If they're coming to me for a conversation, ahlan wa sahlan. If they want a specific question and they're asking me, what is your opinion? I'll say, my opinion is X based on what I have learned and the scholars that I follow and trust, right? Because really, at the end of the day, it's all based on trust, Mm -hmm. right? And if they want to accept or trust my, you know, perspective, bismillah. If they choose not to, it's all good, mashallah. I mean, you're welcome, right? uh, uh, I'm not running Darul Islam here where (laughs) there's like a certain, my way or the highway or anything like that. So... You know, I think with students, it's really because it's respecting their intellectual uh, curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Saying that you're asking for perspectives. Here's a perspective. Here's what I would say, a normative perspective. This is why understood throughout the ummah on these very, very, uh, you know, big issues. And my job is to discuss that, you know, explore it with them. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know... Um, Uh, However they want to take it, they can take it because, uh, you know, again, it goes back to this idea of I want to be non-judgmental to them. Mm -hmm. Now, there are students I'll just add on. This is a footnote to the question. There are people that are so deeply grappling with some of these questions. They'll come back. Right. And say, I want to continue this. They'll come back again and again and we'll develop a deeper, deeper conversation. And then they might want to know what's your real opinion on this. And then they're looking for advice. Like not just like, what do you think about this? What should I do? And if they ask me, and this is for a chaplain always at the very end of it, right? Because generally we're not there to dispense, you know. I mean, I'm a spiritual advisor and I do spiritual caregiving. But only if someone asks me, what do you think I should do about this? Then I'll say, since you asked me and I know you and I know this this situation, here's my nasiha. Mm -hmm. Here's my advice. Coming from a place of good, you know, sincere uh, counsel for your benefit. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, Sheikh, if it's okay.
0: Uh, I'm going to hit you with a, a little bit of a curveball. Oh, you no. Know, it's, it's not a gotcha question. Okay, but, okay. But a genuine situation yeah. uh, that I'm sure happens often. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one that, I, that I'd i probably come across. Sure. So instead of it being someone that's intellectually curious, yeah. that wants to learn, yeah. that wants to know why it's that. Sure. How about someone that it's in their life? So, for example, yeah. I'm in your office. Someone comes to your office. Chaplain Bedwell, I have a serious concern. You know, he steps in and you say, sure, go ahead. Yeah. And then he says, can I shut the door?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you say, "Go ahead." Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's something big, right? Yeah. And he says, "Chapman Bedra, I'm gay."
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, just point blank. Yeah. I haven't told anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. My family doesn't know. My friends don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. I'm scared about how they're going to react. What yeah. should What should you as a Because cha- this is this yeah. is way out of yeah. your bounds right yeah, like yeah. this is like i'm not here for that i'm just a chaplain yeah, you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. and and it's a situation that maybe even the the fiqh itself mm-hmm. isn't fully developed like maybe mm-hmm. the, there's like for for example the first time i heard a lecture about lgbtq yeah. was by Sheikh and it came out last week yeah you know, it's the sure. first time that someone yeah. cuz before that it was no it's just how on. Yeah, yeah. Now we're actually getting some understanding about how cuz you're going to We're engaging with it. Yeah, how yeah. cuz we we have coworkers yeah. that are, that are like we have yeah. family that mm-hmm. are you know, so now it's yeah. actually let's explain it. So sure. it's, it isn't fully developed on how yeah. to live with that. Yeah. And so you're in a situation where you're on the front lines yeah. of of modern fiqh right yeah. you're on the front lines of mm-hmm. the, what the head uh, is yeah. rather than the sheikh that's sitting at the masjid sure. the, and I'm not putting them down I'm no, just saying I that at the masjid they're probably dealing with you know marital issues you yeah. know zakah, how much zakat do I pay i um, my 401k exactly yeah, yeah. whereas you're, you're hand, you yeah. you're you get the, the really tough questions mm-hmm. you're in the hot seat basically yeah. so how do you deal with that kind of guy that walks in
1: no it's a great question I appreciate the honesty and uh, you know I mean we've got to like roll up our sleeves and really kind of jump in so I, I, I take that to heart you know what I would say and I've had situations like that uh, I'll, I, that I can share with you and so, you know, w- going back to what I just uh, said a little bit earlier, a lot of it is that I want to get to know them and where they're coming from, right? So, I'll just for, for simplification purposes, right? There's someone that's coming and maybe saying it as in like, it's almost sort of like, a, for lack of a better term, just I'm thinking it's off the top of my head, it's more sort of like, uh, ag- not aggressive, but they're just like, this is who I am. I yeah. kind of deal with it, yeah. right? Like, what do you, they're like testing you. They're like, right, what right. do you think about me? Exactly. And my whole thing is that, it doesn't matter what I think about you. How do you feel about it? Like, I want to know your thoughts. Like, are you, have you c- come and affirmed this to yourself? And is, are you comfortable with this? And if not, like, how can I help you? Like, do you want me to talk through or just, do you want to have a conversation partner? I've also had people that have come and I've had those scenarios yeah. and I've had scenarios where someone has just been like, I can't talk to my imam at home. I can't talk to my community. They're like literally not even from my community. They're like, they know yeah. of me. They call me from like states away. Right. right. And they're like, I have to talk to you about something really, really important. I'm like, yeah. So we had a phone conversation. And then, and the, you know, this young man is crying on the phone. And he said exactly that. But his, his, where he came from was like, you know, I love my deen. I love Islam. I pray. I fast. I read Quran. But like I've struggled with this for a long time. I'm coming to the, accept the terms that in college I've really kind of like, this is who I am. Right. And and I don't know what to do about that. You see, it's a very different perspective they're yeah. coming from. I, I think like not, they're both they're both acknowledging or telling me that they identify as gay, but they're coming from very different places, is my point. And so with that, you know, again, I'm going to start with tell me about yourself. How did you who are you? I want to get to know you. And then well, how does this part of your identity How do you feel that that fits in with your Muslim identity? Like, let's explore that together. And, uh, you know, one thing that I will say uh, that I tell everyone is that, like, you know, there's the fiqh. I'm not going to make any istihad on this fiqh. There's the normative fiqh that I believe. There's also, like, opinions out there that scholars, you know, that's the job of the great fuqaha to to, to delve into real deep stuff with this. But what I leave them with is the point that I want to make is that, you know, at the end of the day, that this is one aspect and we acknowledge that aspect but our deen is very vast and wide mm-hmm. right how do you feel about salah how do you feel about zakah how do you feel about quran about al walidain honoring and respecting and loving your parents and your elders how do you feel, feel about taking care of the indigent and the poor and the homeless and the needy and things like that right this is the akhlaq of a muslim right sure. akhlaq the prophetic character of sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that we want to so i mean and that to me that gives a total picture of who that person is as a muslim right um Uh, you know, if it comes, because I don't want to dodge the question, right? Mm -hmm. If it comes, you know, and they're saying like, well, well," you know, uh, you know, because there is the principle in dean, right? You can't make the halal into the haram and you can't make the haram into the halal, right? If they want to explore that conversation, then we can have that conversation and I'll tell them what I think about it. And I say, you know, you asked me, this is what I think about it, but I also want to know the rest of the aspect of what you think about the dean and whatnot. But what I would say is from my perspective as a chaplain to kind of come full circle with that is, you know, they're coming to me presumably uh, in a moment of crisis. They're looking for a listening ear. They're looking for someone to empathize with them. And my job is to really just be that empathetic presence mm-hmm. and to be like, I understand you probably go through. I can't even imagine the level of uh, alienation, the level of self Uh, um, uh, uh, induced anxiety that you're going through right with your family with your friends if you've kept it hidden if you have come out to your community or come out to certain people your friends but not your parents or your siblings like there's layers and layers of stress with this and so my job is to say that like my job is to I want to be this a, a place of empathy and comfort for you right as you either explore that or other aspects of your dean. Right. I mean, I've known people who identified as gay in ca- campus communities. And I'm not saying by any stretch there's anything special about me. Right. Mm-hmm. Many of my amazing colleagues across the country that do this work have more experiences than I have on this. They come to Juma. They want to come to Juma. They come to the Salawat. Right. They come to events. And this is an aspect of their identity that they struggle with in their community and in themselves. So it's real. Yeah, I hear you. So, so I think what I hear you saying is and you can correct me if I'm
0: wrong. But what, what you're saying is that you don't want to jump the gun. <laughs> and say this is hadad or this is haram but you really want to you know see what their situation is in life build them up yeah you know and then l- let's say they disagree like if yeah they, they completely disagree yeah well at least they're still muslim yeah you know what i mean yeah. so i, I think i think that that's what your approach is Absolutely. right no so, i think that's a great summary of it yeah okay i yeah. hear you
1: do you love allah do you love his rasul you know do you see the value of prayer like the value of the uh, of the faraid of our deen of of uh, the arkan of our deen yeah right i hear you so that's just one question that yeah. you're probably getting you sure yeah. is
0: is there a common question that mm-hmm. maybe muslim woman are, are you're getting hurt? yeah
1: no definitely it's a great uh i'm so glad that you mentioned that i think for a lot of young muslim women the issue if i may from all the ones that i have that are members of my community have been members of my community that i've done uh you know uh, uh you know as their chaplain have had uh you know them in my community is that really it's such a struggle right now about the issues of the hijab mm. right is that do i wear it do i not wear it? and i'm saying this is someone who can only speak as a male perspective right right, right. but but so i want to acknowledge that. But you know, do I have to wear it? I want to wear it. How do I wear it? Where can I wear it? Sometimes I wear it, sometimes I don't. Um, and and on and on and on, right? I'm saying it's so layered um, and so complex, given also the fact, as if it's already not hard enough, right, right. is the just the, the, uh, the palpable levels of Islamophobia that are out there, right? Okay. Just to, for a Muslim woman to walk out her front door wearing the hijab, uh, to be... Muslim is 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 already seen as sort of such a, a dangerous thing, quote unquote, right, in our society. Well, is it that bad here in in Connecticut? I mean, Connecticut's not as bad as some other parts of the country, if I may okay. say, right. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have you have ignorant people, you have uh, bigots everywhere, right. Mm-hmm. But I think I mean. I don't want to generalize here, but yeah. but it's probably not as bad here maybe as in some other parts. But nonetheless, even, I mean, the Islamophobia is like an added uh, uh, dimension to it that makes For it sure. harder. But I think women just generally today, they're looking at the world. We live in a world of uh, uh, of, uh, you know, I mean, an ongoing debate about what does it mean to be a woman? You know, the, talk about gender fluidity, mm. talk about far beyond the idea of gender binary, about the, is religion oppressive to you? Why do you wear this? Do you have to wear this? Um, uh, can't you be a liberate, liberated, free-thinking, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, progressive person and have to be, you know, tied into this? Like, they're questioning these things, right? And I get that. I it, My heart goes out to them because... I mean, i I've, we all have our own challenges. Those aren't my challenges per se, and so I want to empathize with them and their challenges. So I think for women to answer your question, that's probably the number one issue comes out right now. And I also say this because I've heard this from so many women. Mm-hmm. To be very brutally honest with this, um, you know, it's one thing to get questions and critiques and criticism from the outside world from non-Muslim society. Why do you wear that, right? This whole French madness of like, you're more liberated if you take that off and let us liberate you by ripping it off your head. That's bad enough, right? There are Muslim women that put down other Muslim women, right? For wearing for not wearing the hijab or wearing it the wrong way, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. and that just adds this horrible layers of stress and anxiety into women that maybe want to wear the hijab or are struggling with how to wear it, when to wear it, etc when there's the judgmentalism is what I'm trying to say to put my yeah. finger on it that Muslim women say they feel from other women that actually pushes them further away right yeah um, and so it's just it's so it's so frustrating, I think that's probably the big big issue, and I would be remiss if I didn't also put this out there because These are from live, real conversations I have with my community is, mashallah, we see so many deeply accomplished, deeply, uh, um, I think, um, uh, educated, right? And like mutadayyan, like practicing Muslim women who really claim their Muslim identity and their Islam that look at just the pathetic uh, status, excuse me, Mm -hmm. of some Muslim men. They look at the toxic Muslim masculinity that is running yeah. rampant now. They're just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, yeah. these are all the brothers out there where, you know, we basically have, like, Muslims doing <laughs> – I, I feel even embarrassed, like, talking about it. But, right, like, right, you know, right. like, the, the attitude that's out there, and these women are, like, smart. They pray. They fast. They know their deen. They know what they want to do in life. They know the virtues of being, like, a, a successful Muslim, right, a confident Muslim. And they look out there, and the guys are just like, are you seriously <laughs> – you know, they shake their head and they come yeah. to me. They're like, why are why are the brothers like this? And I'm like, we need to have a talk with the brothers. <laughs> yeah. Right? They got to up their game like in the, in the best of ways. Right. Yeah. I, I think uh, uh,
0: it's it's uh, the girls are out getting law degrees and medical degrees now. And it's it's they're they're unparalleled in terms of yeah. education and whatnot. Yeah. And then they're always, uh, you know looked at to be better than men typically yeah. mm-hmm. so and, and yeah
1: you know guys are out
0: smoking weed come in, they're yeah
1: out. no exactly they're out, I mean you new you, you named it I think that's what the, that's what the, a lot of the a lot of the, a lot of the complaints come on one right. hand right because any you know where the rubber meets the road is they're like look I want to be in a relationship I don't want to be single. I'm looking for a Muslim uh, life partner, right? I'm looking right. for a guy to marry, to to have build a life with. And they're like, this is what's kind of going on out there? Exactly. You know what I mean? And then there's the pressure from the family, from the Ammus, you know, in the community, the Khalas, and like, it's just, I, I feel for them, right? And then, on t- like, I'm, I'm, I'm not spilling any state secrets here, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know of many cases of Muslim women that are, they they love their deen, they practice their deen, they want to do something successful in their lives, etc. And that they end up they can't find a suitable muslim you know uh uh, uh man to marry they mm-hmm. end up marrying non-muslims right that's crazy and and i know of uh, of uh, of several cases just in recent recent memory here right um and it's it's the reality right this is yeah. what we're facing right now and the other thing i just want to name it is that with some of the brothers is uh, uh maybe this is opening up pandora's box right but just some of this uh, you know this sort of like all right like talk that Muslims have this like, kind of conspiracy theory and this kind of like hyper machismo. Like it's all this, this toxic, you know, mix of like guys talking a certain way, being misogynistic, you know, yeah. kind of the, the way they talk, they have this like certain persona and women are like, that's not cool. We don't find that attractive when you like, you know, you talk a certain way and you front and stuff like that. Like maybe it looks cool. Like on music videos or in TV shows and stuff like that. But in real life, like that's not attractive. And women are just really put off by that. Um, uh, and so, so then I'm just like, yeah, I, f- I agree with you because I have kids and my kids are going to grow up and try to get married someday too. And, you know, when right. they come home to me and say, what's the, we're, they're frustrated. We're looking for suitable spouses. So it's a big topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hear you. No, I, I've definitely seen like that macho character mm-hmm. that, that shows up. It doesn't appear at the message, right? No yeah. one wants to show it at the message. Yes. yes. Um, uh, but obviously there's. There's a sometimes and, and I remember Sheikh, I'm almost any man talking about this in, in, in a lecture that some people have a split personality. Yeah. yeah and yeah. He, he there's a hadith that alludes to the people that embody a character, but deep down they don't believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that they're amongst the Muslims, but they don't actually believe yeah. or they don't. Mm-hmm. You know so and that those people will, will never see Jannah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a hadith to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it in real life. Sure. You know, I've sure, sure. I've seen. I've hung out with people mm-hmm. at the masjid yeah. that will use words excessively, like almost unnaturally, like yeah, yeah. Alhamdulillah Mashallah subhanallah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, dude, you just use that four times in a sentence. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even sound natural the way <laughs> he's talking. You <laughs> yeah, know what yeah, I right, mean? Exactly. And then as soon as we leave the masjid, yeah. this this guy pulls out a dime bag of weed. Yeah. And he's offering it to me as a yeah. you know, just as a token of friendship. Yeah. From Muslim to Muslim. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, we just left the masjid. Yeah. You couldn't wait just a little bit longer to pull this yeah, out. Like yeah. And, and not that i would take it obviously yeah, i'm yeah. just saying like this isn't the place yeah, of course. so um yeah so i've real? definitely i've definitely seen like characters of of uh, of guys that are you know they flip kind of like the the what's mm-hmm. that animal called the that changes color chameleon yeah like a chameleon yeah. that kind
1: of thing yeah. so um it's real. I mean, I think it also just, if I may just throw it in. No, you. no, I think, I think part of it is that just, you know, we all have to question ourselves how deep is our Islam, right? Like how deep has it sunk into our heart and to affected our character versus it is, is it a very performative Islam? Like I act a certain way in front of my parents. I act a certain way in front of the, you know, the masjid crowd. And when I go to Juma, I act a certain way when I'm with my boys, you know, hanging out. I act a certain way when I'm in front of ladies. And, you know, that I think is just, it's actually... I mean, Islamically, it's problematic. I think it's also just mentally problematic. Like, why are people juggling all this? Like, you know, really, like, who are they inside? You know, exactly. Is the question, so
0: exactly. And 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 obviously, these are all allegations, and I don't want to get into it because none of it is confirmed. Mm-hmm. But there's sometimes you'll see a person that uh, you'll hear about a character of a person that's a hafiz of Quran or Qad of Quran, and then mm-hmm. and, and then they find out that there's something else going on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there there's a story that even I heard of from from our own community uh, that there was a you know a, a brother that was. Selling hajj packages on on the low, yeah, right? Like really yeah. cheap. Yeah. And apparently he was doing it as a form of uh, sadaqa. Yeah. And this person was trying to team up with Hafad of the Quran, who actually got on it. Turns yeah. out he was trying to scam people and dip with the money, but they yeah. they, they got a hold of the situation. Mm-hmm. So there, there's 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 always sure. th- that strange character, and it reminds yeah. me It reminds me of the hadith, you know, the mm-hmm. first three people. Yeah. To go to hell. Absolutely. You know it's the a terrifying hadith. Right. The Hafad yeah. of, mm-hmm. of the Quran, and yeah. then the Mujahid. Yeah. And then I think the third one was the the, the person, rich man. The rich man. That, yeah. That, that, that gave for people to. Yeah. To, to to say like oh he gave mm-hmm. so, th- I see a lot of clout chasing yeah. in the community. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, like a whole lot of it, and yeah. it's and, and it's it's unfortunate mm-hmm. because the people that are on the fringes, yeah. gravitate towards them. Yes, and then see them fall apart, and they're like, what the hell is going yeah. on? Yeah, and it so, becomes
1: a, it it sort of validates their own sad uh, impression about Dean. Right, it's like we told you these people are all crooks. You can yeah. I mean I've heard this sadly in communities right it's like you can't trust the guy with the biggest beard the bilab you know the person who uh, who performs islam the the in 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 the loudest way etc and then what it does is it pushes them further away from the deen sadly. yeah for
0: sure and, and and um i don't think this is anything new to be honest this yeah, has yeah. been happening it's a human problem. For, forever yeah. it's even happened like it was one of the biggest reasons for the the reformation in christianity mm-hmm. right like yeah. they the fact that they were collecting money yeah. uh to to the indulgences yeah and then yeah. And then th- that's what basically pissed off uh, Martin Luther, who mm-hmm. then went and, and yeah. did the thing. Uh, so it's it's obviously a, a continuing issue with with humanity, mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting to see it, to see how people profit from the you know their own Islam, yeah. like whether it's n- not through actual money, yeah. but they do it through likes and shares mm-hmm. and whatnot, and, yeah. and the, the clout on on social media. But that's that's the currency of the time we live. Exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and it's. And then you're sitting and you're just watching both sides. Like, what in the world? And then, but to be honest, and it's it's unfortunate because the the clergy are not helping. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not talking about you specifically, obviously. No, not. no, no. I but I'm saying generally that there's no training to cater towards the people that are on the fringe. For example, I was sitting at a lecture uh, one time. Actually, it was a khutbah. Uh, so obviously, and you're very aware of the fact that there are Muslims that are hardly even Muslim, right? Just yeah. to begin with. And mm-hmm. they need they need someone to build them yeah. up, not strike them down. Yeah, exactly. Right? So... And I'm saying in this, uh, this this khutbah, and uh, first of all, you're looking around the the, the, the Musalla area, because uh, it's not my community. It's yeah. a different community. Um, and I'm just observing, right, because I'm new there, and mm-hmm. I'm just checking things out. All the guys are basically laying back on the wall with their heads yeah, back. Yeah, like yeah I've seen that. And, and then all, all the older brothers are in the front. Yep. So and the Sheikh, I'm listening to, uh, to his talk. First of all, he, he does it. The you know the what way they do they they do like one in Arabic yeah and then one in English yeah and it's like a yeah a, an opinion that you know the, the, it has to be in Arabic so. Yeah. so they did one in Arabic and then they did one in English and the talk was about um, how he came across a brother that stopped making salat al isha in the masjid yeah right okay so the bar is pretty high yeah he's upset about someone yeah not making isha in jamaah wow okay yeah so. He, <laughs> it's so funny because it's not like he's mad about someone committing zina. Yeah, you know gambling. He, you know it's yeah. something serious. He's like, this brother, subhanallah, stop making esha at the mission. I go and I ask him why. The brother says, sheikh my, I've been busy with my studies. Subhanallah, you have preferred the dunya over the akhirah." Yeah. and it's, I'm like, Sheikh, what's going on, man? Like he's talking about that. Yeah. These guys are all smoking dope. Yeah. And committing Zenith. Like, you have your priorities wrong. No, it's true. And and then he goes and he he goes further. He talks about a sister that stopped memorizing Quran Mm -hmm. at the masjid for similar reasons that she Mm -hmm. had to cater towards the, her her studies or whatever. And I'm like, man, if only he knew what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. If (laughs) only this man knew what's happening because Mm -hmm. just, and not even just their community, but even in in communities that I'm more familiar with, if he knew, Mm -hmm. like if these Shuyuh knew about what, the guys and girls are mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know If he just opened his eyes To that reality yeah, yeah. He would have a very different outlook On what his khutbah should be Yeah
1: absolutely so, Agreed Absolutely agreed um, I give you quick Two thoughts on that Yeah yeah sure Which is that You know I mean I think you hit the nail on the head Right it, We're living in a time I mean it's not that We're living in a time now I mean I would say Maybe it seems like that Particularly acutely now But you know Part of the responsibility Of being the wa'id Right Giving the, the waad And getting the khutbahs Is that I mean, you have to you have to speak to the people in their language, speak Mm -hmm. at the level that they can comprehend. You have to speak to issues that, you know, are relevant to their day to day lives. Right. And then we also have triage. You have to triage the community like really, you know, I mean, it's not that these are not important, but in terms of the order of importance of the acuteness of the problem. Right. This is what doctors do. Right. You're in an ER. You're like, I got to pick A, B and C. Like, what do I deal with first? And then, you know, what can kind of be dealt with later? And I think people that are on the front lines. If they're, if they're competent and they know what they're doing, they're just like, you learn this. You're just like, what do we need to focus on, really? To keep people, people breathing, right? Keep them right. surviving their Islam intact. Um, that's one thing. And I think the other thing is, uh, you know, I can speak from my experience as a chaplain, you know, to a community here. Really this idea of, right, this is the I, we turn to, in the, the beautiful hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu <laughs> Alaihi Wasallam, is that every one of you is a shepherd and all of you are responsible for your flock, Right. It's really this And my mashayik would say this Is that uh, uh, It's not a coincidence That all of the Anbiya Were shepherds Dealing with You know Flocks that like Running around in all sorts of directions It teaches you sabr teaches you patience teaches you empathy To care for the weak And the the, You know There's the ones that run ahead And there's those that are lagging behind Right You have to look out for everyone In your community In the flock Right You've got to bring the Tell the ones that are going ahead To kind of keep pace And the ones that are lagging behind You've got to bring them up you know and make sure you, they're safe right from predators and keep keep a vigil on you know what kind of dangers out there to me that's so much of the work of uh that's so much of the work of dean that needs to be done right especially yes. in our time and place right now and i think chaplains are really suited to that kind of work is that you know uh, uh how do we keep how do we keep and make sure our flock is healthy and safe right um uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a couple quick thoughts on that. But yes, yeah. I mean, we are. And, and then sadly, sadly, we we scratch our heads and we're like, why do people not engage with our community? Why do they not come to the masjid? Why do they not come to the community? Why are people sort of extreme? Right. The, the data, the numbers are is, is really depressing and astounding. Right. Oh, yeah. The level of masjid attendance is so low. Right. By Judge and Pew and many others, ISPU have done these studies on how many people come to Juma. This is a fraction of the community, meaning that there's so many other people out there that are Muslim that are not coming to our houses of worship. So 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. How do we reach them? Right. It's like you've got to go to where the people are. Right. And as a halal way as possible and then connect with them and, 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 and be as welcoming to them as possible and make them like you said, build them up. Don't tear them down.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And,
1: and is there
0: and, and this is just the question that, that that I had on my mind, is there a general disposition that is negative towards religiosity
1: when you're in a very intellectual setting like Yale? I think so. Yeah. I think okay. that this is a this is a hyper uh, liberal place. Mm-hmm. Right. And in multiple senses of that word, it's a very secular place. Right. Right. It's a privileging of the life of the mind of the intellect. Uh, you know, we would say the aql is more than just the intellect, right, in mm-hmm. Islamic sort of philosophical, spiritual way, the aql includes the, the mind and the qalb, right, mm-hmm. uh, in a broader sense. But anyway, this is a place that, to get to your point, is that, I mean, these people look at, to religion as mythology, Right, these are mm. these are like fables of the past, right? Kind of thing. It's like just mumbo jumbo. Uh, it has no relevance in your daily life um, because th- th- you know these I- these elite academic uh, uh, intellectual institutions uh, uh, have their own biases and bigotry, right, and prejudices that they don't want to acknowledge. Um, but the the reality of it is that people are are exploring religion, right? People come to college and university some of them with deep religious commitments or they're exploring their religion or they're just like unsure. And they're just like, it seems like religion is a big force in the world. And if I'm studying to become something in the world in a globalized world, I'm going to deal with a global economy, like global knowledge, economy, global economic, uh, you know, financial economy uh, and et cetera, et cetera. If I want to actually be a productive, you know, competent, contributor to that like i need to know what people feel about religion right islam hinduism buddhism christianity judaism and etc cetera, etc cetera. to me that's like that's a no-brainer right it's called religious literacy our institutions are are horrible at actually doing religious literacy uh, i mean i'll put it out there you go harvard you're princeton stanford chicago you the whole lot of them man they, none of them do this well so. i hear you so is it is it seeping into
0: the muslim community that that negative perception towards
1: I think that uh, uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think that there are. uh, Well, you know, I'm uh, going to kind of divide that in a second. I'll speak about the American Muslim community. Yeah, I would be fascinated maybe as a follow up conversation at some point on what the global attitudes are across the Muslim world. Right. I'm sure it's probably frightening, you know, from stories that I've heard because I've traveled the Muslim world. I hear anecdotes. I visited and family and friends around the world. um, But we don't get to that right now. Right. But let's just say the American Muslim community. Yeah. Look, we look we're all part of a culture. Right, and we're, some more than others were affected by the dominant cultural trends. Right, the dominant cultural tr- trends are one of sacrilegiousness. Right, where the sacred is is divorced from your sense of your day to day life. Right, there's nothing sacred anymore. Time is not sacred. Exactly. People, places, objects. Right. Uh, uh, behaviors. You know the loss of adab. Right? The sense of like uh, uh, adab is the comportment, how you, you know, our mashayikhs say that, that adab is the right behavior in the right way at the right time, right? That this is sort of, there's a, there's a beauty to how you speak, how you act, how you comport yourself, the way you deal with your elders, the way you deal with the youth, the way you deal with the environment, the way you deal with everything around you, right? The Prophet had the most beautiful yes. adab, right? And so that's why he was the most beautiful person inwardly and outwardly, wasallam yes. And so, you know, one argument that our mashayikhs say is that, you know, really to return the vitality, the health of our community is returning to that idea of prophetic akhlaq, prophetic adab. Uh, you know, uh, I, I believe that. I mean, that's my position. But to get to your question, for sure, I think the Muslim community is looking at the world, and they're like three things. Number one, my community seems pretty whacked. It's got all these internal problems. You name it, yeah. right? We don't have to go down that road if you don't want to, but there's a lot of problems internally in our community that people are not blind to. They're seeing this stuff. Hypocrisy, right? Uh, Judgmentalism, uh, irrelevancy at at certain places, right? Like, how does this even connect to my daily life? Number one. Number two, they're looking at the outside world and they're like, the outside world doesn't take religion seriously at all, right? Isn't like people, there's like Islamophobia out there, right? They're actually actively like attacking and demeaning my religion. And then the third is, is that the broadest society, they're like, religion doesn't, like we live in a hyper-sexualized, hyper-commodified, right? Hyper-performative society. People are like, religion doesn't do anything for you. It's not gonna make you, this is the argument, right? That society tells you. It's not gonna make you more popular. It's not gonna make you more well-liked. It's not gonna make you more accepted. It's not gonna give you your self-validation and self-affirmation that you're looking for. Just like be who you wanna be and do what you wanna do. And don't let anyone ask questions otherwise. Right. Yeah. There's this whole sort of sense of like hyper individualism um, that takes you down sort of a, a, a kind of a, a slippery slope. And so, I mean, if you're a young Muslim, and you're looking at the world today with these three things. I mean, the the cards are stacked against you, as they say. Right.
0: Yeah. So. So, so just a question on that before we, we switch uh, topics. When, when I was asking you in class one time about, you know, the the the, the general uh, outlook on the well, the gender neutral bathrooms and yeah. you know the co-living spaces yeah. at at Yale mm-hmm. I was thinking from a sense of you know do Muslims get upset about it? Or do they change it? So you were telling me that, yes, that is the case, that every yeah. spring you get a bunch of, do you think it's mostly the parents that are upset? Like, are this, this you know, are the children good upset question. along with them?
1: Yeah, or are they question. like, no, I don't really care. Like, this is... That's a great question. I think, and I'm glad that you remember that question. I appreciate you bringing it up. I think that uh, parents, obviously I've gotten angry phone calls and, you know, disgruntled phone calls from parents, but but to the credit of our student community is the students are the ones that themselves feel very deeply violated. Mm-hmm. They're like, I, I'm, a, I mean, it's, disproportionately more women than men i understand but we do have men that have complained as well right mm-hmm. but let's just take the the issue from a woman's perspective women said whether or not they wear hijab i want to say i've have seen equally both ways right as a muslim woman they're they're mashallah they've grown up with a muslim sense of haya yeah. a sense of modesty and uh, you know what boundaries are right private space versus public space right um, that they're just like it is inconceivable for me to be sharing a bathroom Right with men and women and beyond, right? Like the intimacy of a bathroom, right? Of like what you know of a private space uh, uh, with strangers, even if they're not strangers, right? With yeah. with khaymehanims for that matter, right? Of uh, 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 to be showering there, to be you know uh, to, uh, to to be using the bathroom, etc. it's just that is it. They they find it deeply not even beyond uncomfortable. It's just really kind of. It's gross, right, for them. Right. And so, so to their credit, mashallah, you know, the, the, the people that complain, it's the students themselves that are just like, I don't want to live like this. I will talk about all the super wokeness you want in class and, you know, all of the theory of this and the theory of that. But where the rubber meets the road is how I live my life. Exactly. Right. Is that there are some there are certain red lines, right, that they don't yeah. want to cross. So th- they did try fighting it. Yeah. What was the result? The result is that, you know, the university uh, and, uh, you know, I will talk about Yale, but I we can go beyond Yale. This is sort of the modern liberal university is, mm-hmm. is definitely moving in this direction, some faster than others, is that. This is not going away. You got to deal with it. Like we are moving it this into the realm of beyond gender binaries, gender boundaries, and things like that, and that we want uh, mi- mixed spaces like this, and that eventually this should be the norm. There's a normalizing of it, mm-hmm. and so they, uh, if they're polite and want to be um, somewhat, you know, religiously literate, they'll say that we understand your concerns and we understand that maybe in your religious community you have different standards of modesty and behavior around these things, but we believe that there's values that trump those values right of inclusivity and it's all yeah. done under the name of inclusivity <laughs> right and you know is you know I, I'm Punjabi and we say ya like you know when you get in when they throw down that card I mean that's a whole different ballgame than right. right how you that, that's a losing battle right because that they they've already st- they have already stacked the the game in a certain way mm-hmm. that that you're always going to lose the house always wins as they say right yeah and so so that so that they basically they said no yeah um, and since that happened and this, is, this has been around a while, right? This, this has been on is- for several years. I mean, I've been here 14 years, and I, I don't even remember when it started, but it's been around a while.
0: Okay, so since it's been around, has there been a decrease in Muslim enrollment at Yale?
1: Everybody's cool with it, or has it, like, what do you think? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to go into the weeds on this on this one, uh, um, and I can keep talking. You know me, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that what the Muslim enrollment has gone up, mashallah, okay. at, like across the university. But here's the thing. Honestly, my assessment on this is what is this? And, th- and I love my community, I respect my community, these are my people, right? Um, but if I'm saying there's anyone listening out there that's gonna apply to Yale or apply to a similar type of university, I always tell you, buyer beware, buyer beware. Before you send your children or before you go off to college yourself, do your homework, figure out what the actual college living experience residentially is like. Because I understand it. These places are businesses, they wanna sell you a product. You mm-hmm. look at Yale; it looks like Harry Potter Hogwarts, right? It's that <laughs> gothic architecture. Right. Everyone's smiling and happy on the website and the videos. They want to sell it to you, man, and people want to buy, right? They want to yeah. come. These are super elite, selective places, right? And there's so when when people come here, the last thing most of them check, right, is what is it really like to live, uh, you know, on campus? For me as a Muslim, like, how am I going to experience this? And so uh, some people call me before they come. And I I tell them here, all the amazing things about our community. We'd love to have you as a part of our Muslim community, right? You would make us stronger and better become part of our family, become part of our, our our team here. But here's what you need to know. X, Y, and Z before you come, I'm not saying I don't want you to come, but I would be unethical and would be remiss if I didn't tell you this, right? You got to go eyes, go in eyes wide open. I think the problem is to get to your question. Too many people, at yale and other places when they when the parents send their kids there or when students go there themselves they are not asking these questions or it's just it's you know there's other competing interests it's the excitement of like no i want to go there i want to study there i'm going to go and do x y and z when i'm there that this doesn't it doesn't feel real but when you get there and you're like first day in, you open the door you walk into your dorm room and you look around the hallway and you're like uh, yeah. This is what it's going to be like. Exactly. right? That's when it really kind of hits you. And so my message uh, and, you know, I, my job is literally to advocate for them. I fight the good fight for them as best as we can. You know, and, and there are I want to say there are to be I want to be as a Muslim, as you know, as fair as possible. We have people who are genuinely sympathetic to the concerns of our community that say, like, look, we don't like we don't we we feel really bad for you in this situation and we wish that we could help and we'll do the best that we can. And sometimes. Right. And th- this is unique to Yale's lottery system. Sometimes people, women can get all women's bathroom floors. Sometimes they don't. Right. Etc. cetera. Oh, OK. I thought it was a requirement. No, oh, no, yeah. it's not a requirement. But but and I apologize if I misspoke there is that there is a gamble. OK. You know, you could, but you might not. And chances are you might not get sort of the housing bathroom assignment the way you want. But you know what? It's like you're here now, and Yale requires you first year and sophomore year, you have to live on campus, and then you can move off junior, senior year if you want to. You know, students, I I know a number of Muslim students that get their own apartments because they want their own kitchen, they want their own bathroom. But that's junior year. That's junior year, yeah.
0: Okay. So this is across the board co-ed for any religious group like and I'm sure this isn't only for Muslims I'm sure no people. no
1: we have many uh, I mean I know many stories I, I interrupted you I'm no no sorry. go ahead go ahead I, I know many uh, uh stories of uh, of particularly uh Jewish students uh, mm. orthodox Jewish students that are deeply uncomfortable in fact honestly from a kafiki point of view it's basically the same dalil as us right mm. they have the same arguments right from a like a like a they, it's called halakhic is their version of sharia it's the same argument that men and women should not be sharing private space like this together. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's fascinating. Mashallah. Um, So, uh, but, you know. So, they, they, so, it
0: was never some sort of unified effort between Muslims and Jews that tried to get things to change at Yale?
1: You know, I think that's a great question. I think many students have had these conversations, to be fair to them. A lot mm-hmm. of students have complained to each other, like Jewish students, to Muslim students, and etc. And um, I think the power of the university and of university administrations, it's is so, is just so massive that it's an uphill battle. Um, I wish administrators did better. And if there's any administrators listening to this call, like, do better. You know, like, become more religiously literate. Have an honest conversation with us and listen to where Muslim concerns are. And be more welcoming and inclusive to yeah. Muslim concerns. Exactly. Right? And if you're not, then, you know, I mean, we know where you're coming from. I got you. So is there anything else that, like,
0: besides the co-ed living, yeah. is there anything else that is, is a typical concern for Muslims that enroll at Yale just or not just Yale but Ivy League in general
1: yeah I mean I think it goes back to a little earlier the conversation that we we went to I mean in many ways I want to be positive as well right yeah. these are these are very these are places that really uh, champion education and broadening your your intellectual landscape and so uh, you know the, just the amount of classes that they offer right uh, on a variety of subjects and so you know people that I you know Islamic studies studies of the Muslim world um you know generally they're great right i mean they're like she like they, they talk about islamophobia homophobia misogyny uh you know anti-semitism they talk about these problems right mm-hmm. and they structurally how do they operate and they deconstruct them that's fantastic and i think as muslims it's really great that we have exposure to take these classes and you learn more right it's one thing to experience it like i live in a world where i just i feel like the world is against me i just can't explain why but i feel like it is and then you actually get the tools and the data to be like here's how structurally racist and oppressive the system is and all of that right that's what that's what these universities do uh so i i want to be fair to that to say that that's what muslim students can expect when they go to these places um i think the challenge just the uh and and, you know by and large there's so many open-minded students right and college like they're just like they're generally curious like i've you know my students can tell you better than i can the conversations they've had with people like you're the first muslim i've ever met you're the first muslim i've ever classed with or that was like on the basketball team you know in like uh, intramurals and like i got to know more about your faith and your people and that kind of stuff like those are invaluable right those experiences that human interaction having said that there is also just an understanding that um there is uh, still, you know, a, a lack of uh, knowledge about Islam, yeah. uh, you know, and, and about, I would say, either ambivalence, mildly or antipathy, uh, in a worst case scenario, towards religion. That's, I think, the big issue that comes up is that people are just like at these hyper liberal, uh, quote unquote, elite, not even elite, I mean, in college in general, right? It's like, you know, what the average college like kind of environment is, is for student life. The last thing these people are thinking about when they're getting drunk and partying and doing any number of other things is like what your religious, moral, ethical (laughs) views on life (laughs) and, you know, your compass are and stuff like that. Yeah. They're just like, we're 18 and we want to live a certain life. I hear you. Yeah. And the
0: reason why I was asking is because I really want to understand if it's uh, if there are other issues that Muslims like like Muslims that live in mostly liberal areas in America, if they're facing. Uh, as big issues as the ones that are living in you know predominantly southern conservative sure. areas because yeah. in, in the south if they hate you they'll say it to your face yeah, you know yeah what I mean? yeah just and true they'll set your ma- your, your message on fire yeah you know, they, they'll, just, they'll just and, and they did that yeah, in tampa yeah. they said mm-hmm. it, it was a um, um, masjid umar that they set on fire and um, then the islamic yeah. center of tacoma in washington yeah. and mm-hmm. then the just recently in tennessee right outside of memphis the city council blocked yeah. the establishment of a mesh. they kept making excuses yeah, about water yeah. supply mm-hmm. about you know it's close to this sure. or whatever uh, so down there, they hate you and they'll say to your face. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying this to, to basically tell people that oh Muslims are our victim. We, we really are under attack though. Yeah, like, we really yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. Like in most yeah, yeah. places across the world, sure. like in India, mm-hmm. we, everyone knows what's happening yeah, in India. The
1: rise of these uh, uh, fascist right movements that that are that uh, that uh, India is a great example.
0: Exactly. And and, and in France, there was uh, three massages that were targeted mm-hmm. recently. Uh, they just uh, outlawed. Domes in China, aside mm-hmm. from everything they're doing to, yep, uh, to, to, to the, the Uyghur Muslims, mm-hmm. so we we are literally under mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. are some safe places, obviously, yeah. and they are predominantly liberal in America. Mm-hmm. But there are other issues yeah. that Muslims in liberal environments are facing, and that's yeah. kind of what I wanted to sure, to sure. see what they were with with you.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Uh, I mean, so much to unpack there. I mean, I think maybe just generally, it's the delegitimization or the invalidity of religion in general. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if that's if one could say that's a challenge that Muslims face is that you're always having to sort of a f- fight for your right to exist. Right. Yeah. Differently than like these other sort of extreme examples you've set down there. They're Like you said, they're just like, we don't believe you belong here, man. Like, get out of here. Right. Right. Here, they'll be like, no, 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 you belong here. You can be here. But just like that Islam thing, like keep it kind of within this little box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like fit it in this box. But don't call it outside the lines because, you know, like and in fact, I mean, this is a whole other can of worms right here. Like the left likes to use Muslims when it's convenient for them, right? Mm. As an identity category, right? As a cultural group. But the minute you bring up things that don't fit in their sort of narrative of why they like you for their identity politics and cultural politics, then it's also like, whoa, I thought we were like all cool, coalition, friends, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And like, well, you know, like we agree on certain things, but we kind of disagree on maybe one or two other things as well. And I want to have a mature, intelligent conversation about that. But then they'll be like, no, 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 like all of a sudden you're, you know, et cetera. That's a whole nother, That's a whole nother, uh, uh, uh uh anxiety producing kind of scenario that comes up yeah
0: Yeah. so it's it's not like uh they're not going to be upset if you do a a juma out in public no or something like like that Speak your
1: truth be be who you got to be yeah
0: express yourself they they, they like that public expression of identity yeah but maybe when it comes to co-ed they're like well why do you want to be separate yeah so besides that is there anything else that's like a big issue
1: well, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I'm not the most qualified to speak on this, but I mean, other people have talked about, and you know, this is, uh, I think, another topic worthy of further explanation, is that, you know, it's a question. I mean, with the current, in the realm of uh, ideology, right, with the sort of competing ideologies that are operating in the world today, you know, can an argument be made that Islam... Uh, and I, I, as I say this, I know there's like professors probably listening to this call they are like, you can't even say that there's a, such a thing as Islam, right? There are Islams, ca- plural, not one Islam. But That's is we'll, that? We'll, we'll get to that later. Wow. right? Is that, you know, but can Islam be a, um, can it be the only, the argument is the real uh, viable counterforce, right? To sort mm. of Western, late stage, predatory capitalism and hyper-liberalism and this sort of you know like the imperialism Of the sort of The the hegemony I should say Of sort of western discourse mm-hmm. Right I mean this is an argument That some people may make Is that The reason that there's this deep uh, uh, Suspicion and antipathy Even towards Islam Is that they know Like if it goes toe to toe With Islam Like that's the only force left, right? Um, now, I have dear friends of mine in my life that'll just be like, no way, man. I, what are you talking about, right? Because they, they look at it from like a sort of a Islamo Marxist point of view. Is that the, you know, Islam meets forces with Marxism, you know, and the sort of leftist critique, uh, uh, you know, that's what's going to take down this sort of capitalist, d- hypocritical, democratic, Wait, you know, so hegemony talk, of the world. Can we talk about that? that? Islamo Marxist, what is that? I've never heard of this. No, that, that's a whole other. We got to do that in like a separate
0: episode, man. There's like some sort of you u- Unity Between Islamism and Marxism Well I mean
1: I, 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 I'm not the most qualified By any stretch of the imagination To talk about this But you know There's an argument To, to, to make You know uh, Or there's an interesting Conversation to be had Right That like Really when you look At the values And the ethical arguments That, that Islam has made And Muslims can make um, About critiques yeah. Right of, uh, of power Critiques of, of wealth of capital and and uh, the inequalities in society and, uh, uh, and and you know all these things are interconnected I believe that right like mm-hmm. race class you know all and gender all of these things we have to grapple with these issues right um, you know the question is the big question I would say is that like what great Muslim thinkers do we have right now that are actually connected to the tradition. Um, that uh that can give a really coherent answer to this question right is that you know some people that i believe that are sincere muslims are like when we look the answer we gravitate towards to is a very marxist critique of the fitna going on coming from the west in the world i'm like i love having coffee with those people and talking to them because i'm always learning stuff right yeah i'm not always convinced but it's great conversation yeah i hear you yeah um
0: no that's definitely an interesting topic um to just a segue, and this is completely off topic, but it's just a curiosity that I have now that I'm at Yale and I saw the stuff that's going on Yeah, or not. not, I didn't see what's going on. I was just walking around campus and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the skull and bones society yeah
1: yeah are, th- are they still it's, a, acti- it's like a stone's throw from here man from my office so what, what's up with that what's going on are they, they, active, are active. they are active they're alive and well as they say um it is active it's uh, i mean you can look it up there's books and books written on skull and bones uh there's a lot of uh, sort of public mystery about them mm-hmm. um it's uh, arguably the most famous slash infamous of the ideas of secret societies mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in U.S. history, uh, particularly in sort of you know elite college history, Skull and Bones was started at Yale. It still exists here at Yale. Um, uh, I mean, I have certain thoughts on it, but Go ahead. but <laughs> you don't <want> to. <laughs> no, That's I okay. can share. I mean, because I share this with my students, right? Yeah. is I am deeply suspicious of this whole idea of the secret society. They are inherently exclusive mm-hmm. and exclusivistic, and that uh, there's this whole sort of like like mania that goes into right like you get tapped at certain secret senior societies you get tapped at the end of your junior year they only take i think something like 16 people like hundreds of people want to get in but you've really got to be the the one that they want and they have this whole sort of i'm using this term loosely here algorithm like who they pick why they want it's based on your identity and race class gender sexuality religion blah blah like who fits in the mix all of that kind of stuff they always want muslims now and there's what? always Muslims that are dying to get into it. This is all, wow. Habibi. It's all about access to power. Wow. It's all about proximity to power. They have power. Yeah, I mean, you. Th- like I said. Allah alam, God only knows what the real history of it is. Is I know people in skulls. I know some of my own students that are in skulls. I'll get to that in a second. But like there is, it's not a hidden fact that you know very powerful people in American politics and the military establishment and in the intelligence establishment haven't been a member of these secret societies. CIA people, Pentagon people, uh, um, you know, highest levels of government, right, um, have been members of these secret societies. It's about access access to power, access to wealthy people, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's all about the network that they give you access to. Um, Muslims every year want to be this. And I have had people that have sat in this office Mm. and have asked me, what do you think? And then I'll say, well, here's the pros, here's the cons. And then some of them have had the, mashallah, you got to give them credit. They'll be like, what do you think? Like, what do you really think? Should I do this? And I said, since you asked me, should you do it? The answer is no. Why is it no? There's there's no, it's maschara. This is nonsense. There's no benefit, right? I, there, what, what, Why do you want to be a part of this elite club that, in fact, I think actually is working at cross purposes? I do not believe nor have I ever been convinced from the people that I've met or what I've seen publicly about any of these things or what they've told me, right? Yeah. Is that, um, you know, I've asked people in schools, like, explain it to me. We can't really explain it to you. Why not? Well, that's kind of like our own little... Clubhouse, What is this nonsense, right? Like, either tell me that you're out there to, like, you know, some of you have grand plans of domination of the world <laughs> and whatnot, and, you know, these cabal of people running the planet and, right. you know, economies and governments and all that, because that's what the public thinks. Like, right. are, are, are you not up to that? I can neither confirm nor deny that, you know, kind of thing. This is, like, yeah. kind of nonsensical answers that they give. And so, you know, they, they they downplay and all this stuff. Anyway, not to get off, in, uh, off topic here, but I think, like... You know, go into the genealogy of where these secret societies come from, right? Is about who has access, who has doesn't have access. Um, why do Muslims want to be part of this? What are you getting out of it? Is it a purely Dunyawi thing? Everyone, there's always that person that tells himself, I'm going to change the system from the inside. Oh, wow. I'm going to go in the inside, man. I'm going to be the one. I'm yeah. like, oh, you've got to save your complex, first of all. Second of all, like, you know, <laughs> you're telling me you're going to go in, the, you know, you're going to, you know, our Mashiach would teach us like in day one, You know, you know, when you're in an environment, either your 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 identity as a muslim your iman is strong enough that it either influences your environment or the environment influences you it's one or the other right there is no sort of homeostasis sort of like it's either day by day either i am exerting a positive influence on my environment from a pure place of iman and taqwa and ihsan right uh, or like the opposite tables are turned like right. you know it's like affecting you right and most of the times this happens very subtly Right. And then you get into the realm of like, you know, of, of baraka, like do you have baraka in your time, baraka in your in, you know, in, in your uh, actions and whatnot. And so anyway, uh, my point is, is that, uh, yes, it, to answer your question, skulls, bones exist. It is very attractive. To many people it's one of several societies at Yale it's the most uh famous arguably um and Muslims every year at Yale undergraduates you can only be an undergraduate at Yale to get okay. access to it um and Harvard has their own version of it Princeton has its own version right these elite institutions they're called eating clubs at princeton uh they're called um i think they're called houses if I'm not mistaken uh or something like that. Uh, it's not the house there's another name for it at at, at harvard um and so anyway, yeah, you know I hear you I, I, I'm I'm uh, ambivalent at best, suspicious, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, at worst.
0: I hear you. Yeah, because you would think that if it's something where you're 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 working towards the betterment of society, you're doing something good for the world. Yeah. Well, why would you shroud it in secrecy? Yeah. yeah. You know, there there must be some sort of ulterior motive. Like there's some, some yeah. Like it, the only thing that you would want hidden is something bad. I, right? I agree. So I agree. And and it's interesting that you mentioned that Muslims are trying to join. I mean. From, from one side, I understand it because, yeah. hey, if this is a one-way ticket to a really good position in a company yeah. or something, then, mm-hmm. hey, that's that, that sounds good to me. Yeah. But if it's obviously, if you're, you know, sacrificing religious yeah. values, if you're mm-hmm. doing something that
1: undermines society at large, then mm-hmm. it's obviously not halal. Yeah, so. no, I agree 100%. I mean, I'll tell you two quick anecdotes. Uh, and then uh, on this is that I know Muslims that have been in it, that it is, and I'll just be very blunt about it, it's messed them up. It's messed up their in iman just they've come out really with their with when they came out of the experience they were deeply troubled right like from you know because i'm a spiritual advisor to them as their chaplain like when we've had conversations like they've just come out with seen things they won't even tell me exactly what they saw and what they heard and what they had to do but they just say like my iman got really messed up Mm -hmm. right and these are people that went in that that i had a relationship with that i said i don't think this is a good idea for you and these are people that by by an ostensible purposes were practicing muslims right, that they prayed, they fasted, they believed, right, that you saw them. They're like, that's a that's a standard, upright Muslim right there. Uh, I know people that that have happened to that. Uh, um, I know people that have gone in that uh, have done wild been wildly successful in their Dunyawi career, in mm-hmm. their materialist, worldly career. Right. It's a stepping stone. It'll advance you. Right. I mean, when they fly you to Texas to go have lunch at George Bush's ranch oh, and wow. Stanley McChrystal is like calling you on the phone, wanting to have lunch with you you know, to do projects with him. I mean, these are the people that run the government and military of the most powerful country in the world. Like there's no joke. I get that. Right. You want like stepping, you want to, you know, leapfrog up the, the ladder, you know, in, in terms of your, uh, uh, personal career, you know, in these kind of fields. I, I mean, I understand from that perspective, the attraction for people, but then like, don't tell me you're doing it to uplift the ummah and to help, you know, m- for humanity and for mankind. Yeah. Just be straight up and be like, you know, I want to, uh, this is a cutthroat dog eat you know, I, I'm a gunner, and I'm looking to get ahead of the competition. Just own it, then. I mean, I don't agree with that, but yeah. but that's what you know. At the end of the day, that's what people do it for.
0: Yeah, and it, it's also happened historically. I think uh, the great Muslim thinker Jamadidin Afghani he joined the Freemasons, mm-hmm. uh, then he left it. Uh, mm-hmm. He joined it for, for an, an effort to, uh, uh, you know, bring Islam uh, to the elite members of society, yeah. and then he, he he ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. The same uh, same thing happened with Elijah Muhammad, mm-hmm. and also uh, uh, the founder of the not the uh, Church of Scientology, but the one that's like the Mormon science something. The Moorish. You know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah Moorish the, the, the Moorish devil. science temple. They also, they, they joined into it and then they ended up leaving. So it's it's always, it's the same effort. Like, how can we bring Islam yeah. to to the elite? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that that Muslims are actively trying to join. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, inshallah, we can close with this. I know we have to catch Maghrib. Uh, I think we're at the, the half hour mark here before Maghrib, so uh, for talking to me. Uyakum. I appreciate your time. Inshallah, we'll do it again when you're available. Sure, my pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Sheikh. Mm-hmm. Assalamu <laughs> <laughs>